Drank Tov, we continue with the Sefer Sharba Tvila. We're on the last expression of Tvila that we started on Friday. And that expression is Etor. And we explained it's an abundance of prayer. And we explained how Hashem is very happy when we pray a lot to Him. And He doesn't feel we're a nudge to Him. So it continues in uh, section Gimel. To tell us a, another insight into what this e-tour is and we see that uh, an abundance of prayer is not just a halacha and a piece of advice for to have a, a successful tefillah but he says that it is really the the, the surah of tefillah the unique structure and shape of tefillah that has a specific feeling that a person stands and asks from Hashem with a clear recognition and understanding that Hashem is never repulsed by a person. A person is never pushed away from Hashem. A person is never, a dis- Hashem is never disgusted with a person. Hashem always wants us wants our pleadings, wants our requests, and therefore there's a feeling of unique closeness when you know that Hashem is very happy to hear you. And when a person uses this form of prayer to pray a lot, all types of prayers and requests and everything, so this prayer encloses an attribute and and a shape of abundance similar to another concept he's going to tell us. And that parallel, he's going to say, is when we talk about learning Torah. There's a concept of learning Torah. But then there's another concept, a higher concept. It's called hasmoda salimud, diligence in learning, where you can learn Torah. Yeah, I learned for 15 minutes. I get bored, I walk around, and then I'll come back and learn a person has hasmoda, this is a, a yeshivish term which I'll explain, but it can be applied anywhere. person learns, he knows if the morning seder is three hours, he walks into the base medrash at nine o'clock, he doesn't leave his seat till 12. He's totally focused on the Torah that he's learning. Now, let's not mistake and think, oh, I guess he's just learning more hours of Torah. No, no. The whole stature is that he's cleaving to learning Torah. It's a whole new reality of learning. Right? When we call a a yeshiva boy a masmid, it means he's not just a a person who studies Torah, but he's very diligent in that studying. And that makes a difference when you're, let's say, let's say you want to marry your daughter off to yeshiva bachar. So one of the questions you're gonna ask, is the boy a masmid? He's gonna say, what do you mean? He learns. Uh, there's learning and there's a masmid. Masmid means you don't waste any time. You're learning, that's all you're interested in. And there's nothing there that's got, there's a big difference when you're learning and there's a cell phone next to you. And whenever the cell phone goes off, you take a look at the cell phone. Then if there's nothing to distract you and all you do is focused on the learning, that's a different reality. That person is totally involved in his learning. It's not just it's a hobby. Okay, 
So just, so that, that clear is the difference. And that really be let's take a look at a worker. Forget about learning, a worker. I'm sure you gentlemen have seen different types of workers in your careers. Would you say there are some workers that when they come to work till they leave, they're focused on one thing, doing a good job? So a few like that. And then there's a lot that are always looking for a break, looking for a way out. Now, how do you think a business works better? When the worker's a masmid or not? Right? They're always trying to find, what else can I do to make the business be better? Not, oh, what's another way that I can get out of things? So, and, and obviously the company will thrive more if you have must meet him. Yeah. We're diligent. They, the, whole, the whole attitude to it is different. They feel this is a, a company that I buy into. I believe in the principles of the company. I want it to succeed. As opposed to, you know, I'll just, I'll just do what I can to get by and I don't have to do that much. It's a whole different worker. So the same concept we could say is that you could be a masmid in prayer. Okay. And now when, when a masmid is praying, it's a whole different type of prayer. Because now the person is what we call a balavoda. He's he's a master of prayer. That's what Dovod Melech said about himself. I need tevila. I am prayer. Not I pray, I am prayer. Me, myself, I've turned into a prayer machine. Not somebody who prays. My default position is prayer. What, what do people do when they have a spare minute? This is the major problem with technology. You have a spare minute, what do you do? Check your emails. Check what's uh, in the news. Right? Be in touch. Get these uh, what call updates. Bing! Oh, I got the latest update. Right, so we're a masmid in updates. But we want to be, no, you want to be my default position. When I learned, when I, when I'm learning Torah, the default position is to be learning Torah. And not only when I'm learning Torah, whenever I have a free minute, I'm learning Torah. What, what do you do when you're in the store and you're waiting in line for 10 minutes? What are you doing? Oh, let me just check the news. Oh, that's the default position. Yeah, but you can have on that cell phone, can have uh, Dafyomi on it too. Five minutes of uh, inspiration of Torah. So that, if that's your default, then you're a masmid. So when a person doesn't just pray, okay, I'm coming to Shachris, I'm praying, fine. Finish with that, I go home, I do what I do. And now, Mincha, I come back. Later, I come back from Marv. So I'm a person who attends three services a day. Beautiful. But it's not necessarily a masmid in Tvila. A masmid in Tvila has a default position that he's always talking to Hashem. You're going somewhere, and you say, Hashem, please let there be no traffic so I can get there on time. Hashem, please help me that I don't make any mistakes in what I'm doing now. And that now becomes a masmid, because he's constantly praying. This changes the type of person that he is. Okay. And he continues with another interesting idea. We know when we talk about, he's talking to Yeshiva Barham, but listen, this is, uh, applies to all, all around. Okay. 
Okay, person wants to be a, a, a Talmud Chacham. So we know the Mishnah Perkei says there's 48 ways to acquire wisdom. <coughs> 48 ways to acquire wisdom. So what are some of them? Well, some of them are you got to spend a long time learning. <laughs> you got to be a masmid. If you want to be a Torah scholar, you got to be a masmid. You got, as they say in Yiddish, ligging and learning, that you're, you're holding and learning. My mindset is learning, right? That, that when I, three minutes, I'm thinking about, you know, lahavdol, the opposite. People who love football, right? So a lot of football one can watch over the weekend, right? They got high school football on Friday night, college football Saturday, pro football Sunday, and going into Monday night. Now what are they doing from Monday to Friday? They're talking about it. Think they're going to make a trade. This team has a chance to the playoffs. They're ligging in sports. And whenever they're speaking to somebody, they say, what do you think about the uh, whatever, the Buffalo Bills? What do you think of the game? That becomes their default position. So the person is totally into that, but... That's not how you acquire Torah. You acquire Torah by always being in that mindset. And therefore, you're always thinking about it. You're remembering things that you've learned. You're thinking, is this, what I'm learning, is it a logical thing I learned or not? What was the new insight I had? Okay. And if you don't have those uh, ways to acquire it, you're not going to get it. You want to be a Talmud scholar, you got to put in the hours. If you don't put in the hours, you're not going to be a Talmud scholar. You don't review, you're not going to put in the, you're not going to be a scholar. Right? And if you don't put all the evidence, it's not going to happen. And still, the Talmud says as follows. What should a person do to be wise in the Torah study? What should you do? You want to be a Torah scholar. What do you do? The answer is spend a lot of time studying and less time working. That's a simple, you gotta put the hours in. Gumar says, well, a lot of people put the hours in, it didn't help. Oh, then you gotta pray to God to help you. I said, Gumar says, if that's the case, so why do, I, why do I have to do the first thing? Just pray, the answer is you have to have both. <laughs> you gotta put the hours in, you gotta pray. So what do you see? Without prayer, you won't succeed in getting the wisdom. So who's going to drop this advice from the rabbis? The rabbis saying there's only one way you're going to be able to be a Torah scholar. You got to put in the hours. And you got to pray to Hashem. Okay, and that's what Reb Chaim Vital says in his introduction to the Sefer Eitzachayim. He says the condition for wisdom for anything. Let's say you don't understand something in Torah. You have, to, you have to cry as much as possible. That's what he's saying. He, it's a tenai. It's a condition to wisdom. Condition means without it, you're not going to get it. And we're not talking about, you know, Kabbalah or stuff. It's anything. You're learning something. You don't understand it. So what are you supposed to do? The tenai, the condition is you got to pray for it. It's interesting. It says about Sarah Imenu. That she was incapable of having children. That was difficult. She didn't have the equipment inside to have children. 
shouldn't have a womb. Okay. So, and then what had to happen? Prayer. Prayer, that was the only condition. Without prayer, it wasn't going to happen. So let's think about understanding Torah. What do we know about Torah? The, the, the prophets say Torah is like fire. It's like fire. Ish of Torah. So how can anybody understand Torah? It's going to fry your brains. How is it possible? How can you retain a divine intellect? It's got to be through prayer. Prayer provides the wherewithal to create the tool that can absorb the Torah. Okay. So you need sometimes a, a, a utensil that's able to carve out place inside of you to absorb. So that comes with a lot of prayer. That's why the Gemara says, if you daven it and you answer your daven again, it's not just another time. It's not just adding times. But, you know, imagine you're trying to uh, to put something away and you got nowhere to put it. So what do you do? You start digging. You dig a little bit. Oh, still not enough space to put the thing in. We have to keep digging. You dig, they dig, they dig until the hole is so deep. Now you have something that you can store. And therefore, you want to receive something. You need a utensil that can store it. How are you going to store it? Dig. And that's why in this week's parsha, right off the bat, Ruff, Rifka could not have children. So what does it say? Vayetar. Yitzchak is praise to Hashem, Etor. And Rashi says, like a pitchfork that turns things upside down. Okay. And, and Hashem answered him, and he had a child. And what was it? A lot of prayer. Why was it Vayatar? Why did he pray that way? Kiyakorahi, because she was barren. We needed a change in nature, so he needed a lot of prayers. Okay, and what are those tools? What are those tools? It's tears and crying and abundance of prayer to be able to make those changes. So therefore, you have to, this idea of constant praying it is a default position and that creates within yourself the tool to be a, recept a receptacle of this. It's not just a lot of praying. It's a default position of praying. Then he moves on to section Dalit. So now you could ask a question. We've already learned other expressions. Another one before was called Pigia, which we had earlier. And we said Pigia was an abundance of prayers. So it seems to be the same thing. Pigia, and I hope, I wish I'll have the time to go through the three. I know, I know you don't have to say anything. And to show what the difference is between all of them. But here is, they seem, Pigia and Etur seem to be the same things. It's constant prayer. But he says the difference is Pigia is an expression of a lot of requests and but not specifically a prayer to Hashem. A pikiyah can be between two people where I want something from you. For example, last week's parsha, Avram says, Upiguli Ephron ben Sochar. Let me let me meet Ephraim. 
okay, so what what does that mean? Right. Or he bumped into the Malachi Elohim. A person can bump into something and doesn't let him go until he gets what he wants. Aram didn't let get, get let me get my hands on Ephron. Because I need the mercy. Well, I'm not gonna let him go till I can get it. So you're asking for something. In other words, I want to get a meeting with you. Can I get a meeting with you? Can I get a piggy out with you? What do you want? I need money from you. I want a meeting. I'm not going to let you go. But that's not prayer. That's not prayer. That's, that's you need something. Etor is not necessarily grabbing a hold of someone to ask for something. It's a unique expression of prayer for, it includes every aspect of prayer. As the Targum translates the word Vayetar as Vitsoli, meaning an abundance of all kinds of prayers. And we said there's 13 languages of prayer. Rina, Chilui, all these expressions that, you know, are not necessarily to get something you want from Hashem. That's what the Balaturim says on the words Veschanan. He has, it's the same gematria, shira, where Moshe said a shira so that his prayer should be received. So the 550 prayers were not only requests, but all different types of forms of prayer. Saying different chapters of tefillah with kavana. That's not pegiyah, that's etor. There could be some words in Tehillim are words of praise, words of song. And there's other words of supplication. It's an abundance of prayer even without asking in that abundance of prayer. Okay. And that too can take away great decrees and open up the gates of heaven. As we said many times already, in this safer already, when it talks about the different expressions, where it's by, by Tehillim, Tefillah Moshe, a prayer for Moshe, Tefillah a prayer for the poor person. And we compare the poor person to Moshe. And we said how great Moshe's prayers were that were unbelievable. And if Hashem didn't stop certain prayers, he would have got to answer things that were way beyond. And still they say the prayers of a poor person are greater than that. Okay. So therefore, we see that the simple person can accomplish a lot as well. And, the, and that's the same as Moshe or any poor person. And that prayer of Moshe Veshanan, 515 prayers. So there's parts of the prayers are chenina, that's one expression, but 515 by itself, by definition, is etor. There's an abundance of talking to Hashem. And that it works like the pitchfork, it can turn things upside down. You're constantly talking to Hashem, it's not just nudging Him for requests. You're saying all kinds of things about Hashem. But you're always turning to Hashem. That's the idea of the ribuy tefillah. As opposed to pigiyah is I want something, I need it, I'm going to nudge you until you give it to me. Etor is I'm going to just talk to you in all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. And it's not always demands. And then you feel a general closeness. And then, you know, Hashem will probably want to give it to you since you, you two feel so close to each other. Yeah? So it was, but Hashem said, but I can't let it be. But it, it could, it should have. 
And now we're saying the poor person is more powerful than that. He's also poor, right? He's also kid. Who? Moshe also poor. But, but, but I understand, but, but he, he wasn't poor in that way. Okay, into the fifth section, he says another aspect of abundance of prayer. When Moshe prayed all those prayers, one wasn't like the other. One was a whole different type of prayer than the other one. Okay, even if, and it goes on and he says, even when a person prays, like you'd say, I don't know, I'm praying the same Amida every day. But the truth is you're a different person every time you're praying. In the morning, you could wake up, you're feeling great, you're in a good mood, the prayer comes out one way. By nighttime, you're exhausted, same words, the prayer comes out in another way than that, right? And therefore, you have different foci of what you want and different moods in terms of what you have. So therefore, when we pray a lot, we should be always know that every prayer is another prayer. And that should, in general, be our understanding of Etor, if we're really focusing on our prayers. And that's what the Nevin Shechaim says, how great was the Anshei Knesset Gedola, that when they established the prayers, the prayers until Mashiach was going to come, that no, they knew that not one prayer would be like the other one. And they had to create the right words that could absorb all the different feelings and emotions that people had when they were praying to Hashem. So that is another aspect that uh, you always should feel that every prayer is a different prayer and that's part of the abundance of prayer in which you're showing to Hashem. And again, that's part of a person davens three times a day and understands that every prayer is a different type of prayer. That itself is a form of etor. Okay, now he gets into a very, very important subject. <coughs> We're almost done, but I don't think we're going to finish today. In Vav, he says, now he wants to share with us a big fundamental point. Many times, there are very, very sad situations, desperate situations. I say somebody's very, very sick. And many, many people are praying for the sick person. They're saying to him, there's hundreds of people praying for the sick person. And the person dies. So to the observer, it feels that all the hours spent were wasted. And to this, he says, that's not true. That is a very bad thought. Big mistake for two reasons. Number one, the fact that you are requesting something from Hashem and you are talking to Hashem, that itself is a goal. You felt closer to Hashem. That's number one. And therefore, you cannot say it was not any any value. Something good came out of it. Just as we gave the analogy last week when the fellow meets the doctor and the doctor healed him. But he said, I got two things. I got the healing and I got to be closer to you. Well, that same thing works if the doctor does not succeed in helping him. Well, the doctor tries his best, don't work. But he's still got a friend. Still got a friend. And that turns out to be the only thing that he really got. In our previous analogy, we said the doctor healed me. That's for sure the main thing, but I got a second benefit that we're now friends. So what if you go to the doctor for a family member and the doctor tried his best to heal and failed and they died, but you became friendly with him. So that is certainly something that you gained. And the next point is so important. Every prayer always gets answered but not necessarily for the thing that you were asking for. As the Pusik says, as the rain 
comes down and the snow from the heavens and they don't return but rather it makes things grow is the same thing with prayer right when it rains the rain goes somewhere maybe you want it to go here but then it rolls down five miles away and it grows something further away somewhere else same way with prayer the Dubna Magi gives a beautiful explanation when Hashem two weeks ago said to Avram, can I conceal from Avram that which I'm planning on doing to stone? And he says, and Avram will be a great generation of people, a great people. He says, I have to tell him. I have to tell him about stone. And the reason is because he's going to be a great nation, Avram. His question is, what does one have to do with the other? You could say, you know, he's my good friend. He says, no, he's saying, how can I conceal from Avram who he himself is going to be a great nation? It's a non sequitur. What's the connection to that? And the Magi gives a beautiful marshal to two people go into a store to buy clothes. One's an old man and one's a young guy. The old guy is very careful. He wants to try and he wants it to fit exactly. The young guy buys a bunch of clothing, doesn't really care what the measurements are, and he's going out of the store with it. So the elderly guy says, why aren't you particular about the measurements of the clothing? You just take a bunch of clothes. You don't care what the measurements is. He said, listen, man, you know, I'm not buying this for me. I got a lot of kids. I got 10 kids, different ages, different shapes, different sizes. You know what? If, if I buy any shirt, if it doesn't fit this one, it'll fit another one. It's going to bound to fit everybody. You're an older guy. You only take it for yourself. So if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. So to it, Hashem. Hashem is saying, shall I conceal from Avram and not say what I plan to do to stone? Why? So that Avram can pray for stone. But doesn't Hashem know that Hashem's not going to listen to his prayers? Hashem knows. He's not gonna, it's not going to help. So why is he telling Avram? Why is he wasting Avram's time to pray? You know why? Because I know he's going to be a great nation. What does that mean? That all these prayers that he says now, they're not going to go to save stone, but they're going to be stored away for an address generations later. Maybe right now. That Hashem wants us to be printed. And now some of those prayers that Avram said with such sincerity, but since he's going to be a great nation, he's going to have a lot of kids for generations, generations, generations. So let him pray. Well, it'll come in handy at another time. And therefore, that's what we got to say. We're praying. We're praying for so many things. Don't you think there were Jews who prayed during the Holocaust? Didn't look like it helped. But it's just going somewhere else. So, it's, uh, you know, let's have a different way of looking at it. It gives another type of example. Let's say... And this could be very applicable. We'll make it more contemporary. We have we have children, family nerds are strong. Right. And what happened is maybe one of our relatives in Israel got in a big accident or was caught in a terrible crossfire. And you don't even know about it. And since you don't know about it, you're not dominating. Oi, wouldn't you wish to have known? right now to go and pray because your family is such great danger over there 
So what does Hashem do? Hashem says, you know, Jews have been praying for thousands of years. I got a storage tank of prayers. And you know what? If they're worthy, I'll take some prayers from a hundred years ago and I'll put it in over here. Even though you don't know what's going on over here. You have to know that when we were praying, and even though our aim is here, we want that the war in Israel should stop. We want to be protected. And I'm sure many prayers do hit the mark, but I'm sure a lot don't. Amir Tzashem thinks should turn out well. But if Chasp told me would it, we should never say the prayers were in vain. We've now stored up thousands of prayers. And then there was a time when you don't think anything is important. There's no war in Israel. And somebody just trips and is about to fall down a hundred stairs and will break their neck. And somehow, uh, they got caught in the last minute. How did that happen? They came from prayers that were being held the whole time over there. Right? So that's why we have to understand that if we're constantly praying, we're building up a war chest. So just like we're collecting a lot of money, and we should be collecting money, and we need that money to help you in Eretz Yisrael. And even if you got some extra money, don't worry. They'll probably need it a little bit later, even if they don't need it right now. We don't say, oh, oh we got extra money. I can take it back. No, they're going to need it. So the same thing to pray is you keep praying. What do you mean? It's not helping. It doesn't matter. It's going to be there. It's going to be a long war. And it might not be this one. There's going to be another time someone's going to need help. How do you know what kind of help is necessary? And that's what this e-tour does. It's just putting a tremendous amount of prayers in. So if every moment you're talking to Hashem, you're just putting in more and more and more prayers, it makes a big difference that now Hashem has a greater resources to be able to help the Jewish people. Question, comment? Yeah, the question is, prayer should reach, right? If it is not reach, how are you going to use it for another time? It's not reaching. The prayers are not reaching. It's, it's like you're putting installments in the bank. Now, sometimes you put the installment is because you want to get some cash out. You know, sometimes when you put a check in, they won't let you um, to, uh, cash, it. cash it. They put it, it's got to wait oh, five business days. Four, yeah. And then maybe you really need it. Yeah. Maybe you would have spent it now on something you don't need. So now you're going to get it for something that you really need instead of that. Okay, Shkoyach. So, so it doesn't matter, it doesn't have to reach for